and welcome to the Short Stay Virtual Summit. I'm Elaine Watts and I have an exceptionally special guest with me today. Simon Lehman joins me from AJL Consulting where he specializes in international private accommodation and the vacation rental industry. Simon, welcome. How are you? Hi, Elaine. Thank you so much for having me. I'm good. I'm great. Really excited to this uh, conversation with you. Yes, same. Thank you very much for taking some time to come have a chat with me. It's going to be really interesting to find out your views from your perspective of the industry and, and how it's happening at the moment. But before we get into that, tell us a bit about you and your, your background and how you got started in this industry. Absolutely. And even doing that on the Mother's Day, we need to, uh, we need to say as well, right? That's, yes. I have a good mother as well. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Happy Mother's Day. Because it's not Mother's Day over here in the UK, but it is oh, over the go. other side of the world. So yes, anyone listening the other side, <laughs> definitely happy, happy Mother's Day from, from us. <laughs> absolutely. So I, I squeezed that in. So I, absolutely. So um. Yeah, I've been in the vacation rental industry since 2005. Um, I had the great opportunity of running um, a very, very large property management company for nearly 10 years as a CEO, which was Interhome. We grew to nearly 46,000 properties in, within the 10 years, uh, also with acquisitions. And that's where I got injected with uh, the vacation rental bug, if you wish, uh, coming out of the airline industry and always travel, like to travel. For me, it made a lot of sense to sort of put all the know-how that I've gained into, into an AGL consulting. And I've, I've been in the corporate world all my life. And um, I decided it's uh, time to do something on my own and sort of leave the corporate life, but uh, put all the networking together. And, you know, I, I had the pleasure of serving the board of HomeAway before it was sold to Expedia. And, and I really sold a big world. I traveled a lot. I, I worked in all different uh, places of the world. And, and I put into, into, into action and uh, AGL consulting, uh, was founded uh, close to three years ago with the abbreviation of the names of my kids. And uh, that's what's behind our company name. And uh, now we've grown ever since and uh, we're having a lot of fun doing it. Yeah, that's that's brilliant. And just to, to hear about your background and that in-depth knowledge that you've had and just purely from the length of time that you've been in the industry, I think that you've, you must have seen a lot. There's been so many changes in that time. And, and I really feel that from your position as a, a consultant as well, it feels like you're going to have quite a high level view of what's going on within the industry right now. So it's more of a global view that you'll be able to give. And I hope that we can maybe just draw on that as well. So essentially, what happened was that the short stay industry had a couple of weeks before it ground to a complete halt and shut down not that long ago in mid-March 2020. What did you see happening immediately as a result of that? Yeah, it, it happened. I mean, I've obviously, none of us have ever seen something happening that fast, right? I mean, I came, I came from, from the short stay show in London I, and then from the shorties award. And I didn't even think that was, was going ahead. And when I was flying to London that morning, I had an empty plane to myself. So I even had a private jet to London city, which was uh, very unusual. And uh, yes. coming back, obviously things have sped up very quickly. And and what did we see first? It's just everything came to an immediate halt, right? Um, I was part of a group called Dorostema Still Am as short-term rental legends. Uh, we had a meeting in Cartagena at the end of January, and I was part of their uh, WhatsApp group. And then just to read what's happening there was, was absolutely incredible. I think one thing that was interesting, it happened in phases. So it obviously came from the East. Uh, from Asia and then it came towards Europe and then to the United States. So it came around this way of the world. 
and and it was interesting when while we already were pretty much in lockdown and and adjusting uh, forecasts and costs and operation and, and just running down everything that we can the us were still sort of speculating on on better numbers going forward and i said guys it's going to hit you so hard uh, it's going to be different so we saw these different phases across yeah. across the world and i think i think europe was pretty much uh, immediate uh, i guess and and then it just was sort of realization phase. What does that mean? Dealing with cancellations, then dealing with the OTAs to start with, what Airbnb did and Booking.com. So so not getting access to cash, and and then immediately starting to run down operational expenditure in order to gain oxygen for a longer duration. Nobody knew how long it's going to take, right? Yeah, absolutely. It was it was it was such a shock, and I I remember I saw it, saw you fleetingly at the short stay show. I think there was just like a hey, because it was it was it was busy. We were all concentrating on things that we were doing, and of course that was sort of hanging over us, wasn't it? We were all there was a slightly strange atmosphere in that. Well, it was actually interesting. shaking hands. I, yeah, exactly, and but uh, we enjoyed it because we had uh, yeah. our customers had a lot of time to absolutely. talk to us. Absolutely. And when I moderated this panel, so Oya still sent somebody and obviously Graham, Graham was on, on the panel with me from Sykes, but there was supposed to be a VC, a venture capital on, on stage as well to sort of talk about what's happening. And he didn't even come to the show. And I made yeah. the remark, you know, VCs are already salvaging their investments, right? Because it yeah. was tough. It's tough. Yeah. Absolutely. So that was after <laughs> that was the big initial shock. And as you say, it was just everybody was straight away bombarded with cancellations, dealing with what to do immediately. And it was all hands to the deck. But after that initial shock, what was the first thing that you started to see proactive accommodation managers and providers really starting to focus on? I mean, here again, I think the different regions have reacted differently. Mm -hmm. The US, they kept looking at data for a long time. And I said, guys, don't waste your time looking at data because they, they were sort of trying to see where's the silver lining on the horizon uh, in regards to bookings, when are things coming back? And I said, this is all totally hypothetical, right? Yeah. Whereas the Europeans, they, were, they, they, they ran down costs a lot faster and and just dealt with what was happening and actually saying you know we are not i mean i i you know i had a customer in in the amalfi coast he says simon i am not i'm i'm basing my business for 2020 without a booking that's my plan yeah. and anything that anything that i receive up and above of that is great yeah. and and so this is how everybody had a different view and actually calculating forecasts and, and, and looking at, at the data. And I said, guys, you know, don't look at data, get your business under control, get your operation, uh, see what you can, you, what you can do, renegotiate contract with owners, you know, make sure you do everything that you can in order to safeguard and extend your lifeline for the business and not, and not dying in hope, right? Because hope yeah. is obviously, uh, and, but then, you know, once that happened, I think now, you know, it, it was pretty obvious that you need to differentiate between between uh, the short-term rental in the urban areas and the vacation yes. rental in the leisure business. So, so that's the first thing we need to separate. Mm -hmm. And we have seen totally different impacts, you know, where I say yes. the leisure business is used to seasonality, right? So therefore, they can deal with increasing costs and, and decreasing costs 
for high season and low season. So the leisure business, they are used to this for decades, right? They know in January to November, like from November, October, no bookings till January, February, March, and then as Easter, it starts to pick up. So the leisure industry, they are used to this type of cash inflow and outflow managing operation costs. Whereas the short-term rental business is far more competitive. The commissions are much lower because a lot of these businesses have been built on the back of Airbnb where distribution costs are super low and and therefore i saw the short-term rental the urban business to collapse a lot faster to basically nothing immediately than what the leisure business has done because they're like okay it's march now it's becoming april so let's think about this what can we do if things potentially come back july august maybe september i still get a bit of a season whereas the urban business it was just pure survival i mean i had we had guys from str legends who literally collapsed within 10 days and then from master lease companies selling furniture on the street just to make a bit of cash wow it's just it was it was unbelievable Wow, and this what what has shown it to us as well, and we talk we will talk about this a bit more is is the oxygen in the industry. You know, we, this is something that AJL is preaching in terms of profitability, and yeah. it just showed you that somebody who's put solely the business on the back of an Airbnb, they had literally twenty days of survival, and then they were done, finished, right. And, and now everybody's screaming direct bookings, direct bookings, direct bookings. And we've been lazy over years where Europe is even better than the US. I mean, in the US, 80% of demand comes from third party. Yeah. It's, in Europe, it's about 60, 50, 60, depends on the country, depends on the regions and whatever. And now they have seen this, this impact that OTAs can have and you have yeah. no access to customers. And I think this time it should be used now for, for reviewing the, the strategy. Just one yeah. piece of it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, I think it has been a real shock for, for many people to realize how, how little control they have over their guests, their customers, their income really and that has been quite shocking most definitely so there's been um once the situation was starting to be accepted there's been a lot of proactivity i mean we've seen many businesses pivoting for profits now certainly over here in the uk many places have opened they've changed away from the short stay model to survive they've gone to helping key workers the nhs over here and they've opened up long term or for example somebody else might have someone who isn't able to return home. So they're still working. They may not be a key worker, but they are still able to work, but they can't go home because they've got someone at home who is vulnerable. And of course they wouldn't want to uh, infect anybody or put them at risk. So again, that's another way that people have managed to pivot and do something different. But of course there's still those people that don't really know what to do. They're kind of frozen in fear. There's uncertainty. So that's one of the reasons that I wanted to put this, summit together is to reach people who haven't really known what to do to share the best things that you can do now you you wanting to survive you're looking forwards and you've accepted the situation now's the time to see what the possibilities are so what do you think will be the focus for the companies that are going to survive moving through this crisis towards recovery it's stripping back the costs and making sure their business is streamlined which is, is that what you would say to focus on number one right now yeah absolutely and, and and again to what we discussed from the beginning we need to separate leisure and urban i think urban will look different 
for a long time to come and the classical urban short-term rental business will change dramatically and we will see massive changes i mean let's face mm -hmm. it there's hotel there's hotel inventory empty the price war is going to be absolutely incredible uh you know a few months ago we were discussing legislations in the cities and you know would always talk about what are the regulations the regulatory impacts now nobody wants to talk about that anymore we just need cleaning standards but so Looking at the, so the urban business, they will have it super tough. So we will see consolidations. We will see a lot of closures. Uh, and yes, it's, it's natural that you go into long-term leases, right? So you try to, to rent out your units that you have as long as your owner uh, allows it to go on month-on-month -month basis and whatever. And then maybe you want to come back to that, maybe not. So, so I think that landscape will change entirely. Yeah. And I guess we don't actually, sorry, Simon, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely. And, and, and just the last piece on the short-term rental is that the, that the master lease business that everybody raved about is just going to simply disappear. Yeah. Yeah. What, what, what that made me, me think about with the urban was that we actually don't know what city centers are going to really look like moving forwards. So I guess that is going to have such a, a big impact. And many times, why would anybody want to go to a city centre when first of all, we don't know what it's going to look like. And second of all, historically, that's where many, many people are. And of course, I think the social distancing, even whether the laws are relaxed, even when lockdown is relaxed, I mean, social distancing is going to remain for quite some time moving forwards. So yes, yeah. I can see how that would definitely change, of course. Okay. So talk about the leisure industry. Um, you know, again, we, they're used to seasonality, number one. They, yeah. We have seen crises in the past. We've seen 9-11. We have seen SARS. We have seen volcanoes. We have seen other crises, obviously not of this magnitude. But one thing we have always said is vacation rental in, in terms of travel uh, verticals have always bounced back the fastest. So what I'm recommending property managers to do once they've got their cost under control, reduce their, their cash burn and, and sort of see, you know, how long I'm going to survive this, make proper forecasts, you know, make sure you can hold on to the key staff with, with maybe some government support that many countries have um, as well. And then the next piece is immediately, you know, talk to your owners, you know, see this as an opportunity, you know, even if it's small lease commitments, make sure you change your contracts, make sure you can even extend contracts. So, so look at what opportunities do you have in terms of your ownership relate on relation and how can I adjust contracting? That's the second thing that I would do. Then the third thing is really start thinking about strategies going forward, you know, how how i'm gonna go about this business once we are seeing recovery am i going to change anything that i've done before or i'm going to do exactly the same thing no probably not so what has gone wrong i think one thing that that we are talking about a lot at ajl consulting this is something we're pushing very hard is profitability everybody talks about revenue but revenue is not giving you oxygen and i think in, in relation to covid 19 we all know how important oxygen is yeah. as, as as it sounds and, and it's obviously in business it's cash and we have seen the run rates being so small that people are actually making look spending money on revenue management and saying okay <clears throat> they're compared to a comp set that you have against competition in a region and then they look they look at some demand numbers and then they give you a revenue number but we are not thinking about profitability is 
is that booking actually profitable for me? Because in our industry, we have far higher variable costs per booking than in the hotel or the airline industry. And we have based our thinking in how we do yield and revenue management on the back of hotels and, 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 and airlines. But this is wrong because an, an air carrier or an aircraft has far higher fixed costs than you know, this is where the low cost carry came in because flying from A to B needs fuel and staff. Yeah. And if you have 10 people on board or 50 people on board, your fixed costs are not going to change dramatically at all. And your variable cost increases is minor. In the hotel, the same. The hotel is there, staff are there. If it's 50 rooms booked or 80 rooms booked, you pretty much have the same cost. In our industry, it's not the case. Every booking brings additional costs, cleaning, key handling, et cetera, et cetera. And we have not thought about profitability. And as we like from... We thought we're going to know something is happening. We, we published our profitability white paper like a week before uh, the lockdown and said, you need to think about profitability. That's the oxygen. So what you do in order to do that is you need to start understanding your cost structure. You need to understand what drives your costs, not just distribution, but there's fixed costs, there's variable costs, there is, there is, uh, you know, sales costs, marketing costs, finance costs, uh, general um, administrative costs, and you need to allocate these costs to your bookings, not just the distribution costs, but actually also all the other costs that you have, you need to allocate to your booking and think about how much profit can I make of each and every booking, whereas the revenue number is coming in as well, but your cost is the base. And I think this time it should be really used for property managers to, to, to use the time and think about what are my true costs? What is my profitability that I can make with this business and also going forward? Yeah, most definitely. So, so tightening up, making sure that everything is running smoothly and then working on the profitability and really starting to understand exactly how much an individual booking is going to impact the business. Is it actually going to be a worthwhile booking or is it going to be one which you've not looked at properly and it's Correct. maybe been detrimental to actually accept the booking as, as opposed to accepting a booking which you know is the right booking, it's the right length of time, it doesn't bring costs up too much. So really keep an eye on that. And the fourth thing is obviously reviewing technology. You know, that's something that we have hyped in all these conferences over the last couple of years, you know, being a tech-enabled property manager and, and we have verticalized the hell out of our value chain and we can now source a technology for every poops we do, like from, like, you know, from revenue management to website builders to distribution channels, channel managers, uh, PMSs, you name it house automation and we have so many different things and <clears throat> has it really created the efficiency that we want has it really given us the bottom line effects that we have do we do i use the right technology today is it actually exactly what i'm what i need or is it too much you know we always try to make things difficult we all use excel and we only the average person is using five percent of excel and 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 the same is is with these systems that we're using and and we're paying for them and can we simplify it you know do i have what i need in, in order to run my business now is the perfect time to look at that potentially renegotiate and see hey what alternatives have i there to really run my business efficiently to a to a good degree without needing 20 different uh, uh, technology platforms to run my business 
Absolutely. Because it's very, very easy to get swept along, isn't it? You see technology, you see the amazing things that they do and, and you think, well, there's the solution. But as you say, you don't always use the full potential of what it is that you've chosen. So yeah, really, really interesting to hear your side of things. Thank you so much. Okay. So there's four great steps that people can be taking there. Let's have a look at things from the guest perspective moving forwards what changes and what demands do you think that guests are going to be looking for moving forward so are they going to i know they're going to be a lot more aware of uh, the cleaning protocols that we have in place which we all like to think we're very very good at cleaning anyway but now this is an additional level above of course it's always been very important but now things are going to be changing do you feel like they're going to be wanting assurances on things like cleaning protocols um what about moving towards hands-off check-ins so there's no or very very little person-to-person -person contact um something else that i've seen lots of people talking about is the worry-free cancellation policy to try and get people thinking about traveling again do you think these guests are going to want more assurances of those different things in terms of regulation or verification that owners and providers are actually sticking to these new protocols does that make sense yeah that <clears throat> that makes a ton of sense and it, it worries me a great deal and i think you know i could give you a very sarcastic and short answer which would be just go and ask them because it's missing right so you know everybody who has studied sales and marketing knows that you know listening is the best way to to build a product and market it and, and I think this applies as well. Do we know enough about our customers? Do we really know what they're worried about? And I'm always taking the simple approach and say, okay, how, how I would like to have it. And, you know, growing up as a child of a large family, we never went to a hotel anyway. So I was given vacation rental at my birth. I don't know anything different. And now having a large family myself, I do the same thing. So I can only say, okay, what do I need, right? And so that's number one. So we'll get to that in a second. The second thing I really would like to, to say here is that we have done a very bad job as an industry in actually getting ourselves together and, and actually talk about these. You know, it's, it's, I'm, I'm actually quite disappointed and sad to see now people are still trying to be opportunistic and say, you know, I want to be the leader. I want to have the cleaning standards and I want to, you know, and instead of, you know, and VRMA, unfortunately, for example, in North America sort of slept through that a little bit. It took them ages to, to actually get to the surface and start talking about it. And in this particular case, we needed nothing than, a, than, a, than a, maybe a global association or at least the nationals to get together and start talking about this. Because for me, it's not a technology, it's not a service provider, it's not a, it's not a PMS or it's not an OTA who can create these standards, it's us as an industry. Yeah. And I have to say, we've done a very bad job at it. So this makes it so complex now. So because if you travel from A to B, it's domestically, it's going to be domestic travel. We know that and we don't need to repeat that. I mean, the next wave of business that we can get in vacation rental and short-term rental is going to be domestic full stop. And, and therefore, it's a bit easier, right? But as soon as it starts to be international again, what standards do you have? And everybody has a different approach to it. So I think, you know, we're renting out a place. <clears throat> My mother has asked me, you know, what do customers want? I mean, she rents out the place as well. I said, look, there's totally different approaches. In, in you know, I know from a, a luxury vacation rental company who doesn't even put bed linen on. You get it in a bag, you put the bed linen on yourself. 
Uh, you get all the linen in a bag, in a sealed bag, and they even replaced the cutlery with, with plastic cutlery. And I said, this is stupid. You have it in a dishwasher anyway. This virus is going to die, right? So you can, <clears throat> you can sort of do really silly things uh, that don't make sense. And for me, it's actually it, it what makes sense, like cleaning surfaces, disinfecting surfaces. And then, you know, then is Airbnb coming and say you need a 24-hour uh, gap or a 72-hour gap. I mean, this is crazy. And, and we need to get support to make these, 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 these standards happening. There's a hotel association. They know exactly what they need to do. Uh, they, and then the customer sort of can live up to it. And if we, if we fail in doing that, we will not raise the confidence of people using vacation rental over a hotel. And this will be a disaster because now it's a huge opportunity for our industry. Yeah. And if we, if we can't get that confidence and that trust from our guests to actually come and say, hey, vacation rental is a great alternative for my vacation. Uh, and and the, the only thing you're worried about is it's clean and you don't want to, you actually don't want to see anybody as long as the place is open, the key is there. It's perfectly fine. We, you know, <clears throat> when you think about yourself, what have we gone through the last eight weeks and nine weeks? And you already start to think, hmm, actually it works quite well. I don't, I don't need to go shopping. Shopping comes to me. Right. And I will not change that. And we have done that before. Yeah. So, you know, you, you get used to that. And I think the same in, in, in vacation rental, you don't want to go to a hotel and have breakfast with 300 other people. No, you want to go vacation rental because you want to be on your own. So the only thing you're worried about is this place clean. That's it. And, and I think we need to do everything possible as a, as a, as an organ as a group, as an industry to say, okay, we can ad agree to those. And I think these are minimum standards that need to be met. At the end of the day, how do you check that with the cleaning personnel that you have? You have no assurance and you talked about assurance. I wouldn't even know how to do assurances. Of course, you can use a breezeway or properly technology where you can run through checklists, but is the assurance clear that all all lights, uh, light switches have been disinfected. The, the remote control and the television has been disinfected. All the touch points that people have. This is going to be super, super hard. And, and at the end, you know, I think we need to communicate well, make sure we control our standards well. We talk to our cleaning personnel, make sure, you know, that they are cleaned according to what is now being built as standards. But this is going to be a massive challenge. Yeah, abs absolutely agree. So, so when I, when I look around the industry around the world and, and I see what's going on here and, and from what you've just been talking about and standardization and us all working together, there seems to be little pockets of places or people or organizations that are trying to bring in some sort of standardization. But do you think that the area that's lacking is maybe two areas first of all individual owners actually wanting to be on board and be regulated or be part of the movement towards regulation so accepting that that really is quite good for the industry so there's a resistance there and second of all communication around the world between the different pockets of people who are trying to make change do you think those are the two main issues yeah, I think so. Absolutely. I couldn't think of anything else. I mean, at the end of the day, it's, you know, again, how do we reach the consumer? How do we reach the guest about this? You know, before it was not a concern. Of course, you know, interesting enough, the, the, the single biggest reason for complaint vacation rental is cleanliness. Yeah. Right. So we might get that out of the way finally, you know. Being I hope good. so. <laughs> 
because I still have to laugh how clean, how not clean the places are. And, you know, at the end of the day now, you, you're making sure everything is fine with you when you come home, wash your hands, and disinfect your hands and everything else. And, and, and you, you want the same in, in a place. But I think it's actually getting them to talk is, is, our, is, is, is the biggest, biggest challenge uh, by a long shot. And, 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 and to execute them. But, it, you know, at the end of the day, I think we did as well as we could. I just think it's, 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 it's sad that people are really being opportunistic to own something that they can't. We need, we need to own it as an association, as an industry, but we can't own that as an individual service provider. Yeah, so, so there is, there's a really big opportunity for us all as providers to begin working together here. How, how do you, what do you think that could look like? How do you think we could start really collaborating as, as, an, as an industry around the world? How could we get everybody together to really talk this through and make it work? I wish I, I, wish I could answer that question. You know, it's, I've thought about it for a long time. You know, VRMA came a long way and, and now the, the regional uh, associations came a long way. There's initiatives from, from like a Dave Kraus uh, from Noise Aware who has now formed Rent Responsibly, which, which really wants to drive this advocacy issue, you know? And I think this is something I see as a huge opportunity, you know? What 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 Dave Krause is trying to do with Rent Responsibly is not being association. It's actually bringing all the stakeholders together, uh, you know, from the political parts, from the from the from the operators, and everything else, and actually talk through these these things. And and I think and it's an independent. It does it can be an NGO. It's a nonprofit, but it's not an association. And and I think that's for me that could be very appealing, but. You know, one thing that is going to change also with COVID is that we also we always talked about this consolidation game that, you know, the bigger ones get bigger like Aways and Oyo and Sykes and Vacasa. I think it's going the opposite now. It will go hyper, hyper local again because you just realize that actually building scale doesn't do anything to you because you just suffer all over the place. And, and, you know, this has happened to, to very unfortunate guys like Altido who found that, you know, something to, to put together, but they were brutally hurt uh, as a group, right? And, and obviously, Vacasa has been brutally hurt as well. They nearly, you know, they got rid of 70% of their workforce. Just building a business at scale has started to realize, you know, how useful is that going forward? And I think, I think therefore, it's becoming more... L- local again it makes it even harder to bring the entire industry together yeah yeah maybe that does open up a lot of opportunity but another set of challenges along with it yeah interesting i'm I'm glad we've talked about that so maybe this can be the start of everybody starting to speak a little bit more and trying to make a difference together so i hope that does happen and as you say there's a few people out there who are really trying to make a difference so let's just hope that that, now we are more connected on online maybe maybe this is going to be the time that that we do really come together because what have we got at the moment except connection <laughs> on the internet <laughs> exactly exactly okay thank you very very much for spending some time with us today it's been hugely interesting to speak to you and, and get your perspective particularly is it's such a wide and broad perspective uh, from that high level view so i really really appreciate it just before we go a couple more questions for you what sure what 
can accommodation providers really do to prepare for this new normal, preempt the new normal? Is it really just taking on board the last few things that we've said, increasing standards, uh, systemizing, reducing costs, and really starting to look at your destination and build those connections network locally? Build reserves, build financial reserves. I think, you know, when I heard that some numbers out there in terms of, you know, how much an average, for example, American has cash on his bank account, like $500, 46% of the nation, $500 doesn't give you a lot of run rate, right? And I think, no. so I think that's something we need to really uh, think about in the future. So creating cash reserves, have a longer sustainable strategy, not, not maximizing returns, but actually building steady income and building reserves for any particular crisis. I think that told us that brutally and it goes all the way into, into your personal uh, finances, obviously, as well. And, and that's something I would, I would definitely include above all the things that we have discussed and, 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 and think about distribution. You know, how is my life, of, my, how am I going to distribute my product in the future? And am I going to be smarter than what I have been and just start relying on third-party channels? I think, you know, re-engage with customers, build relationships, you know, invest some money into, in, into, into CRMs and, and, and building relations with guests. You know, people will travel domestically more often in the future as well. You don't want to be far away when something hits. We've become vulnerable and, and, and the domestic business will benefit, even though we will hopefully travel again once we have a vaccine that allows us to open borders. But I think for now, you know, a, a lot of people have slowed down, come back to the roots. And I think it's a, it's, it's a great opportunity for our industry. And, and I think we need to reflect what has happened and, and what part does my business play in that? And, and, and how can I make sure I, I can sustain it for, for, uh, for a while? Amazing. Yeah, absolutely right. Thank you very much for just rounding that off perfectly. I've, I've so enjoyed speaking to you today because I've fleetingly bumped into you on <laughs> numerous occasions at different events. And of course, it's, it's always very, very busy. So to, to really get the opportunity to chat to you and draw out what, what have become an awful lot of positives and share that with our, our listeners, our watchers absolutely. today. It's fantastic. So thank you for that positive spin. It's a great way to kick off the short stay virtual summit. Thanks again, Simon, for being here and have a great day. I hope to get to see you again in person one day. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me and very good luck with your, uh, with your event. Really thank like you. It. My pleasure. Have a great day. Bye for now. Bye. 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 -bye.